For more than 10 years, I wanted to do a vision quest. I look everywhere, I search everywhere, and nothing will happen. When there was an opportunity, I couldn't make it. Uh, it was just not possible. So this time I said, this is my last search. I went to the internet and found this place that was very expensive and no, didn't talk to me. And then I said, okay, last, 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 last. And I found this place, awesome. This, the words spoke to my heart. I felt like this is the place. And I immediately signed up. So um, why did I want it? Why did I want to go to a, a vision quest? It's because I was already at the very end of three, three no, 75 years of my life. I was going to celebrate my 75 here. I'm pouring myself out. I don't have any pride in saying that I am younger because in fact, I am younger, but anyway. So 75, I said, is the beginning of the last chunk of my life and Looking back, I said, it's a good life, but it can be better. There are many quirks still that I had to fix, and I want to know how to leave the best legacy of my life to the world. And also, the other things that I wanted to, to check out, and mostly I wanted to listen, to listen whatever was in my heart, in my mind, that I had not been able to do with the daily occupations. And, and also, uh, as you know, remember, I told you like a year ago, I, I am in this plan of preparing, doing my preparatory grieving for my own death. And also, as I get older, of course, and it happens to you too, you see your parents, your friends, your relatives getting older too, some of them losing their memories, some of them mm, being in bad shape. and. At this age, anything can happen, at any age, but at this. So I said, let me see how can I really, really continue doing my preparatory grieving. And so that was a major part of what I wanted. And I need to confess, I didn't put this in the, in the letter that I signed to, to say why I want to do a vision quest, but I was so curious, what is what happens there? What happens when you are in that immensity of wilderness and you are all by yourself, and how is that the divine is going to manifest or not? And let me see what is. So I was so totally curious. So for 10 days, almost 11, we, a group of seven men and myself, two women had signed up for the vision quest, but when they saw the majority were men, they said, no, not for us. And so I ended up the only woman, except for the companion of the leader, but she didn't participate that much. So it was me and seven men. At one point, I, I was sort of like, I told the group, I said, I, I feel sort of bad because it's all this male energy here and I am sort of disturbing it. And say, oh no, you are, one of, you, are, you are one of the bodies here. So I feel very, no, you are one of the guys here. So I felt very good about that. Anyway, there's so much to say that I don't want to take three hours, but. Um, so basically in the vision quest, you go looking for a vision. And uh, this particular vision quest was divided in three parts. The three first days were at a base camp near the dwelling cliffs in, uh, in the, in the so southern western part of New Mexico. 
And there was three days of intense preparation. They explained everything that was going to happen during the solo. They explained about the spirit with which you need to go in the wilderness. And in this case, um, the leader, whose name was uh, Sparrow Hart, was explaining that this journey was similar to the, um, to the heroic journey uh, that is explained in Joseph Campbell, uh, The Face of a Thousand Heroes. Some of you might be familiar with that book. So what happens is the, the quester, the, the leader or the person that goes into the wilderness, goes looking for a vision, and particularly for something that is very important for him or for her to bring into his or her community. It, you, you go looking for a vision so that you can be not a better person, but a real person, and to bring a gift of your new you to the community. And so one of the first things that you have to think is, who is my people to whom I am bringing the gift? And then, of course, discover during the vision quest where are the gifts or the gifts that you need to bring. Then there are uh, four days and four nights of what is called the threshold, the solo, in which after being prepared and you know, reflecting and meditating and doing all these kind of things, you go now into the solo. We went down a mile in this very, very difficult path, um, very stony and very winding, and you are carrying your backpack and everything that you need to be in the wilderness. And so we went down for a mile and camped at this base camp for a night. So uh, that very day that we went down, we chose a place that we will call home for the four days of the solo. Um, so that was, that was very exciting and a little bit scary. Uh, so the next day, uh, so we, we spend the night there all, you know, in different places. Um, and so the very next day we have a circle and Sparrow um, invited us. We, we were already packed and everything ready to, to do the solo. So we form a circle and people will come one by one and Sparrow would uh, sing a chant or a song or something that came to his mind or his heart that was relevant to us because by now we know each other quite well. And so after that, he also blessed us with the cedar incense for clarification and for purification. And it was very exciting to be in that circle and see one by one living with the pack in different directions because by now we knew where was going to be our home. And um, so when the last one leaves, it's just like, oh my God, we are going into the unknown and we are going to be alone for, for these four days and four nights. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about the place I chose. Uh, the, the, that, that afternoon of the base camp, the first base camp down there um, by the river, the Gila River. Oh, by the way, we were going to do this vision quest in the Chama River wilderness in the northern New Mexico. But because the fires and all kinds of things, we need to change the venue. And so we ended up in the Gila River. Uh, also, we were supposed to bathe in the river and have all this delightful uh, water there to be purified, you know. But the, Chama, the Gila River was carrying all this debris from the fires up north. 
and it was just a river of mud, literally a river of mud. You will touch the water and it was like, I mean, it was just brown, just like chocolate running down. So we couldn't bathe and we couldn't drink the water, so other things has to be arranged. But it was starting to be very difficult. Anyway, so when, uh, when we were looking for the place to, to, to be our home, um, we were going down this narrow, narrow path and the river was down there. And then at the bend, there were a pile of rocks and the view was magnificent, magnificent. I can see the river down there and on the right hand side of the river, there was this like an inlet into the river covered with um, sort of white stones beautiful, beautiful green trees and um, cleomes. You know what cleomes are? These beautiful pink flowers, the most fresh that I had seen. And I could see them from the distance and also black eyes, Susan. And I exclaimed, I said, this is my place. I had to have it. Then I realized this is going to be the farthest one. I had to go down another, I don't know how many feet down. And I don't know what is there, but I was determined that that was my place. So. So then my body and I um, decided that this bend on the river uh, was going to be our stone pile, and you know about the stone pile already, so I don't have to explain. Okay, um, when I was walking down now after the blessing and all of that in the morning um, to, to get to my home, I was in total shock. I, I couldn't think of anything. I didn't remember this church or Sam or any my family, nothing. I was totally blank. I was like in shock and repeating over and over, this is really happening. This is really happening. I am here. There's no turning back. I am here. And then I start thinking, what is going to happen tonight? I'm going to be all by myself. But uh, the most I can think was, what a privilege. Look at these surroundings. They are amazing. Um, on the, the, on the left-hand side of the river, I didn't explain, there was this huge uh, wall of pink rock with jagged peaks, and I said, I could climb that, but not, probably not. It was too, too steep, but it was awesome, and the, the clouds were peeking over, and it was just a magnificent place. Anyway, so, um, so by noon of that morning, I was organized. I had, had uh, erected my, my tarp, uh, this was not a tent, just a tarp to protect from the rain. I had put my pad, you know, inflatable pad, my sleeping bag, and my backpack was against this huge oak, and I covered it with plastic because any moment could rain, and I was free. So what to do now? So then I started exploring my surroundings. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it was amazing. And this is the first time that I have been really solo in the wilderness, and... Um, I said, well, you are on your own. You have to be responsible and see what you can do. So, um, so I went, I, I said, let me go back by the, by the stone pile where we are going to be and see what is in that, in that road. So I climbed up again all the way. And um, I said, let me go to the crest of the mountain because this, this is mountain here and mountain there. And so going up, I just decided, oh, this is a shady tree, so I'm going to sit down and, and contemplate. And I was feeling so happy and so accomplished. At 75, I had carried a 30-pound backpack, you know, to the first base camp. Now I carry another pack to come down. Now here I was, you know, facing the unknown and feeling pretty good. And then it occurred to me, that was like in my first, aha, whatever, um, 
and I said, I will never say to anybody again, if I can do this, you can do it. It's very common for us to say, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Or if so-and-so did it, you can do it. And then I realized this is so unjust because to do this, to be here where I am, not that I want to brag, but I had hiked a lot in my life. I went to Machu Picchu. I had gone in the, in the high Sierras. I, I had taken my, my, you know, so I, I was prepared to do this. And besides, I had the curiosity to do a vision quest. And not everybody has the curiosity to do it. So I said, right down there, I will never say, because it's unjust to say to somebody, after you had succeeded in something difficult, to say you can do it too. That, to me, it was like belittling my efforts and also to challenging somebody that might not be prepared or able to do what I was able to do. So I feel humble and... So that was like my first... Um, okay, so then... Um, Going back to my home, my home now is the, the tarp where, <laughs> where I sleep under. Um, so I, I saw the river again, of course, all this magnificent, and I start singing, there is a river flowing in my soul. And then at one point I said, there is a river flowing in my voice too. And that's what I put that verse in the, in the hymn today. Because I realized I am a preacher, and good or bad, I said my truth from here. And so I need to honor that too. So I added that, and I keep singing that. Every time I saw the river, guess what? There is a river flowing. Uh, that helped a lot. So I went very curious to bed that night, thinking, what is going to happen? I mean, oh my God. Uh, so around 2 o'clock in the morning, I felt this tremendous smell of skunk. And I just sat in my, in my tent, and I said, skunk. And I had seen one before when I was looking for the place, but I didn't pay any attention. And so I was terrified that my backpack that was under this tree was spread already, and maybe I was, and I got so panicky. But then I said, what can you do at this point? There is nothing to do. How are you going to even wash the packet? Just go back to sleep, and we'll see tomorrow. And I did. I, I just was surprised. I just trust nature and said, here I go. The next morning, I was awakened around 8 o'clock by this orchestra of singing birds. I mean, they were magnificent. And uh, one of them kids saying, quick, quick, quick. And then I said, no, not here. I am not in a hurry here. So, so right there, I started my routine. Guess what? What is for breakfast? Can you answer what was for breakfast? Water. And what is for lunch? Water. And for dinner, more water. And then what about the snacks? More water. So that routine went for four days and four nights. Drink water. It is uh, supposed to be a gallon of water per day. I didn't drink that much. I mean, I drink a lot of water, but I couldn't hold that much. But you become accustomed to that routine. It's so easy. And at one point, you start thinking, oh my God, I don't have to cook. I don't have to go to supermarket. I don't have to think uh, open refrigerator. I don't have to do anything. The only thing I have to do is be here, be by myself, contemplate, and drink water. Drink water and drink more water. Okay, so then the next day, that day, I woke up, like I said, and I went to... I went to the rock pile to see what my body had left, and he had left that string on knots. I was very happy knowing that he was well. And then I, I was contemplating again this beautiful bend there, the river, the clouds, and all of that. And I said, 
there is no better place to do my spiritual practice of reciting poems of love, mystical poems to the beloved. Wow. So I start with the one that Gloria and I recited. Clothe yourself in a thousand ways. Still I shall know you, my beloved. Veil yourself with, and I couldn't remember. And then I jumped to another verse. Um, you, the homesickness we can never shake off. Um, and I forgot. And I started getting like sad and, and disgusted with myself. So I said, let's see another poem. So I started, I love you gentlest of ways. You, the homesickness we can never shake off. Uh, what? Surrounded by what? So I went, I, I, by now, um, I have six poems and I call affirmations and prayers that I recite like this. I mean, like, good morning. No problem. And, and with a lot of love for the beloved and all of that. And Sam knows that sometimes when we travel, uh, the first thing I do is, would you like to hear the poems? And he said, yes, he's a very good companion. So I used to know them by heart. And now here I am in the wilderness where I was so inspired to say them. And do you think I could? Not one came complete. So I just realized right and there with great sadness that my relationship with the divine, that awesome mystery that I love so much, that our relation was like an old marriage already. It's not that I forgot about the divine. It's not that I don't love the divine. It's not that I am a spiritual person. It's not that, you know. But what about the poems of love that I used to recite? So it occurred to me that our relationship now was like an old marriage. You know, you give a pick in the, you know, and the chicken say, hi, darling, or good morning, or goodbye in a hurry. And that's it. Not that you don't love the person, but it's tired, you know. And I said, I don't want this. I don't want this with the real. It cannot happen. So I went down to my home and hiking more and more, and I'm trying to remember, and I tried to write the verses, and I thought I had succeeded, but when I compared the originals with my, they are not there. But now I, I regain them. I, I promise you I regain them. So that's to show you that even not people that are concerned with the spiritual things, if you don't pay attention, if you are not constantly on your, on your soul and in, on your toes, you know, uh, it's very easy to forget. It's like, a, it's like a relationship. You need to work at it. You need to be faithful. You need to be doing what you need to do to, 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 to keep the passion going. I mean, well, I am talking from my heart. Okay, so um, oh, also going down with all that sadness and all, I, I realized that I could close this hand completely, like I do now, because before going to the vision quest, I have arthritis in this pinky and I could not close it. And, and it was so painful. And now it's, oh my God. And then I start noticing that my knees weren't hurting anymore, that uh, this and that was not happening in my body. I felt so totally free. And it is because I was not taking sugar or uh, any caffeine or any of those things that you put in your body, you know, day by day. And that uh, and also, another thing that happened to my body is that my, I, before leaving, I had had a very sort of hard year before, and the doctor had put me in the minimal dose for high blood pressure. Never in my life. I always had low pressure. And this time I was taking medicine. Uh, but when I came back, totally low, like before, so I'm not on medicine anymore. So it's, it's, it was good. Besides, I lost 12 pounds or 11 pounds just on, on that trek. Um, 
So that night also I decided to, to watch the moon rise. I said, I'm here, this is my chance to stay late and, and see the moon rise, it, it was going to be full moon. Um, but while I was waiting, I, I noticed on my right that there was these beautiful white flowers, almost looking transparent with the, with the moonlight that was coming. And I said, let me go and see, and see what is happening there, you know, because they are so beautiful. And when I looked inside, I was horrified. I, I almost cried because there were these two beautiful little beetles being eaten alive by, by these ants inside this beautiful, precious flower. So I went and looked into another one, and the same thing was happening, and I lost it. I said, what is the justice in the world? What kind of God could create something like this? I mean, such a beautiful flower to be a trap for, for the dead, you know. So I went to bed without seeing the moon because it never came. <laughs> it was like 11 o'clock and I was tired and, and I was very, very disgusted. I said, oh God, you know, I love you with all my heart and I'm trying to remember those verses, but this is too much. Uh, it has happened other times when I see cruelty in the world a lot, you know, why, why this? And then I said, okay, do what you always do when you cannot understand something. I did the Zen meditation, the I don't know. But then I keep saying, this is a cop-out, you know? Those prayers and the I don't know and I surrender and uh, it's, it's cop-out, it's spiritual cop-out for, for the things that you cannot accept or understand. So I, I went and I had a nightmare that night, I'm not going to tell you about it, but it was not a pretty night. Um, so the next morning, again, with the beautiful bird uh, songs, I, I was happy, I um, dressed myself, and I was ready for breakfast, which was water, and um, I, start, um, I wanted to start a fire to do this ritual that I wanted to do, and I failed miserably. Match after match, I couldn't start a fire, and I said, how do they say it's so easy to start a fire, and I can't even do that, so I failed. Uh, so I went to see the rock pile, and I found that my body had left some signals. I left my, my signal, um, and then I went down and went in the opposite direction of the, of the trail that I had taken before, and I found this magnificent, magnificent sycamore. It was the, the most awesome tree I had ever seen, and I was in awe, so I prayed there, and I was, I was very, very humble because nobody was around but just that magnificent tree and me. So then I decided I still have time, so I went back and I said, I want to climb the crest of that mountain where the rock pile was. And I went there and I found this beautiful plateau and beautiful, beautiful mountains. And, um, and I thought if I keep going west, maybe I can find the rock pile. And this is important to me that I follow my intuition and I explore because when I go hiking with other people, I surrender my power because I like to, to be guided because I want to be in the back looking at the wildflowers and the mountains and the insects and all of that. And then, you know, and, but of course, when I lose sight, of the, lose sight of the people that are with me, then I panic and I say, oh my God, then I have to hurry. And this time I, I took my time and I found the place and I said, it's good that you follow your intuition because you can do this. So all of these little things that mean not much were a lot to me because I was alone and doing it myself and finding my way and, and trusting my, my intuition. Uh, so that night I decided to, to wait again for the moonrise 
Um, but after a long wait, I, dis I just realized that the clouds had come during the evening or the afternoon, little by little, you know, without even noticing. I keep looking at the place where the moonrise was supposed to happen, and nothing happened. Then I realized that the clouds had been obscuring not only the sun, there was no sunset, uh, but there was no stars to look at, and the moon was taking too long to come, but there were so many clouds that I probably couldn't see it. So I realized, like, um, when Mark lighted the, the chalice, he talked about Rumi's, the, the candle, that we all have this beautiful light inside us, this brilliant light that could shed so much light and wisdom on the world. But what happens is that we get so busy and then we put layers and layers on our souls and our bodies and our minds of doubt, of greediness or despair or uh, mistrust, all these things that we, um, that we bring to ourselves. Nobody's bringing them. We allow them to happen and obscure that light that we could shed in the world. So I said, wow, I thought that the sun was so potent and immense and few clouds can obscure even the sun. So this is a lesson, another little lesson that I, that I got. They try not to let that happen. Let those clouds pass by. Even if you are sad, if you are in despair, if you are in fear, let that pass. Let that pass and open your heart and let the light come through. On the third day uh, of the solo, I woke up singing Spirit of Life. That was about the, there is a river floating in, uh, flowing in my soul and then Spirit of Life. Um, that was about the only two songs I, that I sang or remember. Um, I lost my place. Okay, so I, I tried to say, well, they, they said that we could bring drums or something to make music while we don't the solo, but I didn't bring anything because one ounce more that I need to carry and that was too much. So I didn't bring anything, but I had to empty those jugs of gallons of water. They were empty already. I said, let me music with those. Maybe they can sound like a drum. Oh my God, had you tried that? Boom, boom, nothing happened. So I took the cover, the, 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 the what do you call that? The, yeah, the lead, and it changed a little bit, but not much. So I decided these jokes are for carrying water, not to make music, so that was it. So I tried to do the fire again, started again. I said, I have to be able, and I couldn't, so I felt frustrated. Anyway, so I went to my rock pile to check again, and I said, this time I'm going to go back to the crest, where I saw that beautiful plateau on the mountains. The sun was beating beautifully, so I said, I'm going to sprawl myself, and just see the clouds pass. And so I start sort of climbing, and I said, wait a minute, let me see this beauty here again, because that place was awesome. And when I sat down, I start feeling this heaviness. And I said, no, I need to go, because that's what I want to do today, is go to that plateau and just lay down. And I couldn't, I was so heavy, like I was carrying lead in my body. And I said, wait a minute, what is happening? And then the figure of my friend Clara Inés Olaya, Colombian friend I had for years and years and years and who had died like a few years ago, appeared so clearly. And I start crying, I still feel like crying. And I cry and I cry some more and cry and cry. And I realized I had not mourned her death properly. I was carrying this sadness. I thought, you know, I say goodbye and all of that and talk to her son and it was a shock when, when I learned about her death because I had not called her like in three months. And that morning I said, okay, let me call my friend. I need to contact her, you know. And I said, is Clara Inez there? And he said, she's 
she passed. She passed a month ago, and I, I, I was so destroyed. So, but I thought I had already dealt with that. This is some years ago. But when, when her image came and I started crying and so on and so on, I realized I had to do something about this relationship because apparently it's not finished. So this, uh, this, this uh, day of the day, the, the coming day of the day, I'm going to honor her instead of my mother that I had to honor every time. I'm going to honor Clara Inés and two more friends that came to my mind and for, which I, for whom I cry and cry and cry too. So that was my revelation that day. So I, I returned home, and I was very sad, of course. And then I saw another bend of the river that I hadn't noticed before. I sat there and started meditating and contemplating, but it was too hot. So I put some water on my head to cool off, and then I went and lay under the tarp to take a nap. And then the mosquitoes woke me up, and oh, they were relentless. So I said, okay, so let me go and, and walk a little bit more. And I went and visited the sycamore again, and I, was, and I was happy. So the last day, um, the, the last day, I didn't feel like doing anything. I, not that I had enough of nature, but I said, now I have to gather my thoughts. So I started writing and writing what I envisioned for the future here at the church and for my own life. And uh, everything came so clearly what I should do. But then uh, the following days, when we prepared for the re-emerging into the, into the world that we had left behind, I, I explained all these things I was going to do. The leader said, you see, your vision, yeah, that's, that's good for your people, but it's good for you that you had this vision of how you should conduct your life with peace, with not so much stress, and here, everything that you, that you do is going to be more work, and you are going to start this, and you are going to start that, and think about it before you may, you know, immerse yourself again into so many things. So think what is more important. So that, that was a good lesson that, you know, all this vision and clarity was to do more work and do more work. Uh, so that night I, I, went to, I went to bed. It was my last night and I said, what is in storage tonight? Uh, it started raining and raining and raining. And if you put your hand out of the tarp, of course you got wet or muddy. And uh, I said, okay. Let's see these holes, you know, because it was thunder and lightning and thunder and lightning and then silence and then more thunder and darkness. And it was one of those displays, better than any 4 of July that I had seen. And um, at one point, I just raised a little bit the tarp, you know, being careful not to get wet. And I saw this um, lightning that covered like a huge chunk of the sky. It was not those things that go like that, you know, but it was, I could understand that moment what they mean when they say that they saw 10,000 suns shining at the same time because it was blindly. I had never, never, never had experienced something like that, that you look at the sky and it's all, all illuminated, but brilliant, brilliant red and yellow. It was awesome. And I was like mesmerized. What is this? And then the thunder that came, it was like reverberating in my chest. And I was so happy. I said, my God, this is like the best farewell that I can have. Because uh, I, had never, and I was not afraid at all. I was not, and at one moment, I just felt literally, almost felt like these beautiful arms around me, like holding me. And I said, what a privilege to be loved and to be held by this universe that is all love and is all care. And... Um, and felt so, so good and so loved and care at that moment. So that was, that was my last night. 
So the next day we have our packs ready to, to re-enter the world and uh, until another ceremony of, you know, um, hugging each other and seeing each other after those four solo days and nights, we have a, a light breakfast and did another ritual and then we start the ascension, the mile that we had come down. But this time we were weak, we had not eaten for four and four days and four nights and we still carrying our packs and all the memories and some cows were all that had happened. And so um, this guy that was 20 years younger than me, he couldn't, he couldn't make it. And he had these panics and stuff. It, it was, well, everybody had different experiences. But to me, this was like he abandoned his pack for somebody else to carry, and, and he just threw himself on the road and said, I'm dying, I'm dying, I cannot do this. And I said, here I am, 75, and still trekking, you know, come on, you can do it. So I gave him some water and a granola bar, and he revived a little bit, but somebody had to go and take his pack, and, and the leader took his uh, pole, and he hung on the pole, and he was practically speaking drag up the hill. It was not pretty. Uh, and at one point, I had to recognize that it was so hot and so muggy, and, and uh, I felt weak. So they helped me to carry my, you know, like some of the water, because we were carrying water for the, like a gallon of water up. And so somebody helped me, and I, can, I could make it. I, I could have made it probably if I had more time, and I had put some more water on my head and all of that. But, but we needed to get some place, you know. So when we arrived at the, at the place where we had left the cards, the, the leader told us that this had been the most difficult, that this is the most difficult of all the vision quests that he, he does, is in the Gila River. And in fact, if we had done it in the Chama, it would have been the easiest one. So everybody was very proud that we survived and not water, you know, from the river and all of that. So, um, so, so, to you might not seem like I learned many, many, many things, and to me, you know, like today I said, well, what I'm telling them, really. But to me, it was transforming. Um, just, if I had just known how my relationship with the divine was, in what state it was, you know, that would have been enough. But I had so many, many other inklings and so many other relations, and some very personal, but overall, the most uh, amazing feeling that I have is that at this age, I did it. And that I follow my intuition, that I survived in the wilderness, that I was careful and uh, very grateful, immensely grateful, because not having to do anything, just, just be, um, is, is, an awesome, is an awesome mystery, it's an awesome, um, an awesome experience. Uh, once we leave behind the realm of the human noise with its incessant judging and comparing and craving, attacking, defending, being on guard, and one enters the threshold, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, the healing, the enormous spacious silence occasionally punctuated with natural sounds, uh, birds singing, wind blowing, rocks or trees or branches uh, falling in the river, and the soothing constant flow of the Gila River. That, that was, I mean, who needs more than that? And once you let your mind, body, and soul relax and become familiar with your surroundings, once you immerse yourself in the untouched wilderness, trying to become as natural and inconspicuous as a leaf or a rock or an ant 
your new world acquires a certain innocence. That, that was, in spite of the, of the ants eating the beetle and all of that, there is like a pervasive innocence in the, in the natural world. Everything does what it's supposed to, to do. Nothing attacks you if you are not attacking something. Um, so it is very peaceful in many ways. It's, it's treacherous if you put yourself in danger, but for the most part, if you do what you are supposed to do, if you flow with nature, if you imitate the natural world, you are part of it. We are part of the natural world. And when we come back, it's like coming back to, to the mother's arms, to be protected, to be, to be revived, to be nurtured. I felt totally comfortable, never was scared, and um, I am excited to come back here to tell you this story. Um, and I am ready to do my next, next year. So I invite you to try to do something daring, something that your heart tells I need to do before I die. You had your bucket list. So this is one that I cross now, and I am very happy that I did, and very happy sharing with you. Um, forgive me for being so like scattered, but there's too many things that I could tell you, but time is running, of course.